Now, let me tell you about a production. And it had, um, it happened with my firstborn. So, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's kind of why I have the prop bag. So, um, my firstborn entered to the world, entered into the world at 11 pounds. <clears throat> And I had been in labor for 23 hours and progressed nowhere, thought I was not going to make it, um, and it was Good Friday. That All that night, I went through labor, and it was Good Friday, and I remember thinking, gosh, this is absolutely nothing, nothing compared to what my Savior suffered. And I had a lot of back labor. Um, with an 11-pound baby, and my doctor was not on call. His associate was, and his associate did not really know my situation. And it was one of the very few times I saw my godly husband get out of fellowship. <laughs> because they weren't doing anything for me. And, and um, so about mi- midway through the night, he yelled at the nurse. And he told her very strong words, to get the doctor on the phone and get something for my wife, um, get some relief for me. And so I was given that wonderful drug called Stadol, which really helped uh, a little bit. But anyways, um, <laughs> Hannah was born 11 pounds early in the morning. As soon as my doctor got on call, he knew that Hannah was big, and he came right in, and he prepped me for a C-section, and I didn't care what they did to get that kid out. I just wanted the kid out, so yes, my gut got ripped open, but well worth it. So the nurse comes in with a bag, and she says, all right, Mrs. Vaughn, we need to put this on you. She gave me a pair of these. She gave me a bottle of water and said, you are going to need this. She gave me a sweat rag. Said, it's a long journey. And then she said, if you make it, you'll get one of these. (laughs) And, hey, if you make this mommy marathon, you're going to get one of these for your car. No, that didn't happen. None of that happened. But it was the introduction into the first leg of the race. And it was a tough one. But um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I read an article that someone posted um, on Facebook. and, um, And I read it. And the title was, When You Want to Do Great Things for God, and He Asks You to Keep Being a Mom. And I loved the title, and I read right through it, and I was like, amen, amen, amen. And I loved what this author, Mommy, had to say. And I knew, as immediately after I got done reading it, I wanted to encourage that mom. And I did. But in the middle of the article, she said, the author said, that she was beginning to get something. Not something tangible, but she was beginning to get something. And at some point, moms, during your career as a mother, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that God wants you to get something. 
not something tangible, but it's, it's in here. Um, and some, some of us moms will get it. And some of us moms, we're not going to get it. And we're going to settle for just surviving in a desert, barren land in our role as a mom. Um, for me, being a mom was really, really a, a bit tough. And I'm not sure if, you know, it was tough because, oh, no, I forgot Kleenex. Lydia, bring me my Kleenex because I know at some point I'm probably going to need one. In my purse. There's some in my purse. Thanks. Um, oh. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Um, and, I, and I will try to be short here. But, but um, um, you know, after I read that article, I really had a sense that I wanted to share today. And um, I, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to share. And so rarely do I ask David, hey, I'd like to get behind your pulpit. Um, that has probably happened, I don't even, I, not, not much at all. Usually if you see me up here, it's because I was just like, you know, encouraged or drugged or something. But um, so anyways, I asked him, and he said, you know what, I, I, I had that same sense. I think you're supposed to share today on Mother's Day. And so, so anyways, um, here I am. But um, motherhood was, was tough, as I was saying. And I'm not sure if that was because um, I had a rough, rough early childhood. Uh, my mom was essentially, um, she had epilepsy, so she was pretty ill. She was in and out of hospitals. She couldn't do things that a normal mommy could do. Um, couldn't drive, couldn't cook, be over a hot stove, couldn't iron, um, Things like that, and um, and so um, one day she she had a seizure standing up, and she broke a blood vessel in her brain, and she was left in a coma for three years, and um, then she died. And I was still young, um, and so my dad raised five of us kids. I was number four, um, and I, I don't know if maybe my difficulty into motherhood was. Because of that, um, you know, didn't really grow up with that role and seeing those virtues like uh, a mom who would nurture and um, just a mom who would really be tender. Um, My mom was dealing with her own struggles. Or maybe it was because I was just really selfish um, and, and the past just really hardened my heart. Um, but I, I, I did not like being a mom. Um, it was hard. And, and I experienced that certain barrenness um, in my heart. And not, not the kind of barrenness of not being able to have, ch- have children. It was just barrenness in having children. Psalm 113.9 says this, um, that God makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children, praise the Lord. I definitely had a heart issue. Um, I was that barren woman um, in here. I also had big plans. I wanted to do big, great things for God. Uh, I was very, um, I was very driven in, in, um, I guess, trying to, in achievement. Okay, and. Um, 
And so when David, we talked about me quitting my job as a nurse, and, and I had, you know, I wanted to pursue my master's in nursing, and um, I wanted to write, and I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do that, and I wanted to do great things for God, and I was a young pastor's wife, and I wanted to have the entire church over the house all the time, um, love to entertain and be hospitable. Um, when we talked about me quitting my job, um, that was a tough one, but I did grudgingly I did. Um, and I started to stay at home full time. Um, and it was hard. And if you think homeschooling was on my radar, oh no, homeschooling was definitely not on my radar. But God used a couple things to really, really begin to get my attention so I would get something. And um, he does that. He orchestrates events and circumstances in our life. And he's trying to get our heart's attention. And he wants to speak to us about certain things. Well, he needed to speak to me about being a mom. And so a couple things happened um, that God used. And, and one of the things was um, one day we were having company over. And, um, and, it, and it wasn't like... As a young mom, I was um, I was just very discontent. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't abusive. I wasn't, you know, uh, it was just I was I was absent. I was there, but I was absent. I didn't engage in relationship with the ki- the kids. Everything else would take my time or take my attention. Um, and so, so one day, we're having company over for dinner, and of course, I'm trying to get everything perfect. So, you know, you just want every, you know, when you have people over, you want things nice and, and whatever. So, um, wait a minute, let me back up. That, that, this, the first time, um, I'm going to give that story in a minute, but this first time, um, uh, it, was, it was David's birthday. And so I wanted everything perfect when he came home from work. So I wanted a clean house. I wanted his favorite home-cooked meal. And, um, well, one of the kids was sick. And as moms, you know, when that happens, sometimes you just you don't get anything done. You're holding and tending to a sick child. And that's what you're supposed to do. But... Didn't this little child know she was interfering with my plans? And I wanted everything perfect for David to come home. By the time he came home, I was still in my jammies. The house was a wreck. I had called him, I'm sure, more than once that day, um, just really feeling really depressed. And, um, and he came home, and I just felt like a failure. Gosh, boy, did I feel like a failure. And he came home, and he came home with something. And it was a single red rose. And got it out of my prop bag. I still have that single red rose. Um, it was wound up in this tightly little rosebud. It had not, you know, un- unfolded yet or, or bloomed or anything like that. And he gave me a card. And the card on it said um, that this gift is for learning to be a gracious mother. And I, I have the rose petals in my little music box here. But anyways, um, so this little rose I stuck in a, in a vase, and about a week later, um, I was uh, 
getting ready to go upstairs to go to bed, and I walked through the kitchen, and I glanced at that little red rose, and the thing had died. It never unfolded. It just died, just all bunched up in this little, you know, tight bud. And I just was like, oh, you know. And, and, and as soon as I laid my head on the bed, the Lord brought the scripture to me, John 12, 24. And it says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears forth much fruit. God was giving me something to think about as far as my mothering was concerned. And, and, it, and it went right to being a mom. And, and I knew I had to learn to die to myself. And I knew I had to learn to surrender to his call in my life to be a mom and to be fully present and fully engaged. Um, not too long after that, um, there was another day when company was coming, and of course, I'm frantically trying to get everything ready, and I had one little girl hanging on my leg, just wanting me to read a book to her, and, um, you know, I hadn't got, got it yet, so did I have time to read a book? No. No, I did not. Um, and I kept putting it off, and she kept asking me and begging me, asking me and begging me, and I kept putting it off, and I was getting really perturbed. Um, and, you know, finally I just thought, okay, my gosh, i got to read this book and get this kid off my leg, you know? And so I, I had a really bad attitude, you know? I grabbed the book out of her hand. I sat her on the couch, and I sat right next to her. I look at the book, and it's a book about ants. Ants. Yeah, that was you, love. That was Lydia. <laughs> and and I hate ants. I ha- I hate them. We had we had some ant issues at our old. We we had rehabbed an old farmhouse, and we had some ant issues. I hated ants. So, anyways, I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I'm starting to read this ant book, and um, it was a pop out book. You know, you open the books. And anyways, so I'm reading with a bad attitude, just trying to get through it so she would quit bothering me. And, um, and it started talking about the queen ant. And so you nature lovers out there, you might know this, but there is one ant that has uh, gigantic wings, and it's the, the queen ant. Well, the queen ant, um, the book started to talk about what she does before she lays her eggs. And it was really kind of becoming a little suspenseful. I'm like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> so, so, so as I turn the page, this big pop-out queen ant pops out of the page. And I read on the page, you know what that queen mother does? That queen mother ant, before she lays her eggs, she bites her wings off. She bites her wings off. And it was at that moment, God can use anything. It's amazing. I began to just weep. And Lydia is sitting there next to me. And she looks at me and she's like, Mommy, are you, are you afraid? Are you, are, you, are you scared of the ant? 
And, and I just was like, I was crying. God was ministering right here, doing that, you know, heart surgery. And the only thing that I was really afraid of was not getting this mother thing right. And I knew that, uh, you know, it was time for me to really uh, get that right and, and bite those wings off. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the perfect mom. Ask my kids. But after God orchestrated those events in my life, I really came to understand that motherhood is a calling. It is um, the hardest job in the world and the most prized and most important job that you will ever do. If you succeed at every other thing and fail as a mom, it doesn't matter, friends. It really, really doesn't matter. Psalm 127 says this. You know, you're, you're running this mommy marathon. And um, verse 3 of Psalm 127 says that children are a blessing of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is your reward. You moms, we're not going to get this medal at the end of our race. You got your reward. It's your kids. Your kids are your reward. And you know what? Unlike rewards that you get after running a race that end up, you know, just being on a shelf and collecting dust in your house. You know, I have a bag of medals, and I actually was trying to find that bag. I couldn't even find it. I'm This morning, I'm, like, looking through my closet, couldn't find the bag of, of, of medals that I have run, uh, won over the years in the races that I've done. Couldn't find it. So, anyways, those end up just nowhere, and they collect dust. And, and, but your kids, on the other hand, as your reward, they're not meant to just be for you. They're meant to be shared with the world. And um, my son, Ethan, just left a couple days ago for a second internship at Apple. And um, he had already, he had just been gone maybe a couple hours, and I'm already whining. And I'm like talking to Hannah, and I'm like, I'm like oh my gosh, I, I just, I miss Ethan so much already. And Hannah's like, Mom, re- remember, your children, we are arrows to be shot out, <laughs> and yes, to be shared with the world. So, you know, in this mommy mar- marathon, your kids are your reward. Um, I want to encourage you moms to just really embrace your calling, um, surrender to it. If you have not really yet done that, know that this is the most important job that you will ever do, and you don't get a lot of props and kudos from our world, from our culture. Um, dads, husbands, please encourage your wives in this role. They need your encouragement along the way. They really, really do. They need your support. They need your words of affirmation. Um, they need to hear you say, you're doing a good job, and they need you to bring a rose on a day that they're really struggling Um, I'm really grateful for, um, you know, the Lord uh, using these things in my life. Um, I'm not, I'm not finished. I haven't finished the race yet. I'm, I'm still in there. My youngest, Adam, he's, he's 15. He's going to be 16 soon. And, um, 
And I just know that um, as God has been with me along the way and, in given, and has given me encouragement, he will give you encouragement. He wants you to get this. He is for you on this, on, in, the, in this marathon. He's not going to trip you up. He's not going to, um, you know, revel in, in the days where you're really struggling and you're, you're not doing a good job. He's going to come alongside you. And he's going to say, um, I'm, I'm here and, um, and give you the strength and the help that you need. So happy Mom's Day. Um, you, um, I, I just know that when, that, um, when God wrought that in my heart, it, it was a true change. My disposition for motherhood, um, I mean, it's, I love being a mom. I'm in here, they are the joy and the delight of my life. And um, that is my big thing for God. So make that your big thing and have a great day. Now you know why I married her. So awesome. So awesome. All right, well, that was a great sermon. So, uh, should we have the kids go out? It's 20 to 12, or should we keep, what do you, what do you, tell me what to do? I'm not going to be long in light of the time. The kids are like, I don't want to be, listen, that old guy. <laughs> Can you do a 20-minute class? Does that work? All right, go to class. I like Ian, but go to class. Um, <laughs> I don't have just one text today. Uh, we're going to look at, at several as we talk a little bit about motherhood. As I said, um, in light of the time, we won't. Spend a long time, um, but I want to open with a, a quote by Nancy Wilson in her book, The Fruit of Her Hands. She says, today the church is characterized by much confusion about the role of the mother. What the scriptures teach so plainly and simply is twisted beyond recognition by those who refuse to submit to God's word. The world has infiltrated the church and is leading women astray, teaching them to dismiss the biblical pattern for motherhood. But as God mercifully grants reformation and revival to his church, many families are discovering that they have either been duped or disobedient, and many are returning to the old paths laid out in Scripture. It is essential that Christian mothers understand their calling so that they can wholeheartedly embrace it. That's what uh, really Diane's testimony was about today. It It was about embracing wholeheartedly the calling of motherhood. She goes on to say, when mothers faithfully obey God in this very precious and demanding role, they can expect God to fulfill his promise of blessing in their families. Um, one more word of introduction. Um, for some people, Mother's Day um, can be a, a, a painful occasion. Uh, there are some women who cannot bear children, and for them, uh, not being a mother makes this day difficult. There are others who uh, perhaps grew up without a mother, 
There are those who maybe grew up with an abusive mother. And so when we honor mothers and we talk about Mother's Day, it's not necessarily a pleasant day for them. And that's, and that's uh, very unfortunate. Um, nonetheless, in Scripture, God calls us to honor our fathers and our mothers. If you would, go to Exodus 20. In Exodus 20, we have the first giving of the law. And the Lord says in Exodus 20, verse 1, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or what is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, Jehovah your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands or thousands of generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord your God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor your neighbor's wife, nor your neighbor's servant, Male servant, female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Uh, have any of you seen the, the old uh, uh, Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Charles Heston? Have you seen that? It's kind of a classic. If you're younger people haven't seen it, you should see it. You, you'll eventually get used to the fact that it's an older movie, and you know the, the, the animation's kind of like, wow, that's an old movie. <laughs> um, this is before the days of all the computer-generated animation we see in movies like Avengers and things of, of that nature. So it's a little bit corny. The acting's good, but it's about the message, right? And, and I, was, it, I was watching this a number of years ago, and the scene where God gives the Ten Commandments, I, I don't know if you remember it, but in the scene, you know, Moses goes up into the mountain, and he's up there, and he's praying, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a cloud, and there's like this fiery thing, and God says, I am the Lord your God. You know, I am the Lord your God. And, and then he begins to, to write the Ten Commandments. And in, in this flash of fire comes out of this cloud and like etches, you know, etches the commandment in the stone. You know, like laser printing, you know. And I was, as I was watching it, when he got to the commandment about honoring your father and mother, it just really hit me. I thought, you know, God gave us only ten commandments. Now think about this. Only ten commandments. The federal government 
Need I say any more? You can go to the University of Missouri, UMSL. It's, it's a federal repository library. And ask them to show you the federal laws that are there. Shelves and shelves and shelves and volumes and volumes and volumes of federal regulations. God only gave us ten commandments. Well, this tells us something. That these commandments are really important. Because think about it. These are the eternal laws of God. Engraved in stone. Written by the hand of God himself. And God could have said a lot of things. I mean, of all the things he could have enshrined in his law, he enshrined these ten things. This tells us these are foundational to all of life. It it tells us they are profoundly important that God would not just utter these, but then engrave these commandments in stone. And so... It really struck me, and this is this is when I was younger, and I was growing in my own understanding of what it meant to be a father. Just how important this commandment was in the eyes of God. And you see, according to the word of God, motherhood is honorable, meaning it should be honored. Honor your father and your mother. In Leviticus, it reverses them. It says, honor your mother first and your father. This is God's perspective. And I think one of the challenges of parenthood today, motherhood even more, but both motherhood and fatherhood, is seeing the calling as God sees it. As God sees it. Because in our culture today, motherhood and fatherhood is not honored. It is not truly valued. Now, I understand that on this day, there's going to be, you know, uh, more, more cards are sent on Mother's Day than any other time. And, you know, people go out to eat. And it's an industry. But that's not, the, that's not what Scripture is talking about. Kudos one day a year. Motherhood is a high and exalted calling, but we need to learn to see it through the eyes of God because our culture no longer reinforces the biblical value of family being redefined and the positions of father or mother. But God says it's honorable. Hence, it's honorable. And so, uh, moms, you need to learn to see what you're doing by, uh, as Diane said, submitting to the calling, embracing that calling, you're bringing yourself in line with what God says is very important. You know, I think one of the things that dictates against us seeing a motherhood, especially as an important calling, is because it seems that so much of what mothers do is kind of mundane. You know what I mean? You know, the diapers? You know what I mean? The vomit? The laundry, the cooking, the cleaning, the the domestic things. It doesn't seem very honorable. It doesn't seem very glorious. It's it's not the kind of thing that gets accolades, certainly, from the world. But we need to learn to see 
as God sees. Look at Matthew chapter 20. This is a story about a mother. This is about a mother that didn't get it. (laughs) In Matthew 20, verse 20, you all there? Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, that's James and John, came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now, I guess you could say, well, if you're going to shoot for it, go go for you know, Shoot for the stars. I mean, right there next to Jesus uh, when he's on the throne. In some ways, a, a typical mother's aspiration, you know. They want their sons to, to go out and be the best, do the best. And Jesus um, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they, meaning James and John, said, we're able. Well, they definitely didn't know what they were talking about. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. Of course, when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is a complete inversion of the world's view. The world's view is the higher you are in the pyramid, the greater you are. The more power you have, the greater you are. The the more people that serve you, the greater you are. Jesus takes that pyramid and he flips it upside down. So if you want to be on the top in my kingdom, you need to be on the very bottom. Being on the bottom means you do the dirty diapers. You clean the vomit. You clean the bathroom. That's the bottom. But you see, that's why the world doesn't honor motherhood truly. Because they do not see it the way God sees it. The way God sees it is that he that does the most mundane, the most trivial, the most boring, the most unwanted tasks, those who do those tasks are the greatest in God's eyes. I remember the Lord teaching me this years ago when I worked at a bookstore. Um, me and the boss didn't get along. And 
I thought it was him, but it was really me. I had a bad attitude. Um, I didn't like being bossed around. <laughs> um, and that was the truth. And so God knew that. And so God um, had this boss give me all the jobs that nobody else wanted. So at work, I was the guy that cleaned the bathroom. I got to clean the toilets. I was the guy that got to take the trash out. So all the menial jobs, the, the jobs that nobody else wanted, were given to me. So that it was clear that I was the lowest man on the totem pole. And I remember uh, how God used that simple thing. You think taking out the trash or cleaning a toilet, it's no big deal. Um, but I remember how God used that in my heart to teach me about what Jesus did for us and how Jesus came to serve and how Jesus was willing to take the low place and how we are called to be like Jesus. The greatest in his kingdom is the least in the eyes of the world. So we need to see our calling. And moms, you need to see your calling through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of Scripture. And although the world may say what you're doing is not important, you need to see that what God sees. Okay? And Jesus said in Matthew 10 that if if you give... Let's turn there. I want you to read it. We're already in Matthew, right? Matthew 10.40 He who receives you, receives me, and he who receives me, receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in my name, or in the name of a disciple... But surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Just a cup of water. Even that small, trivial, insignificant act of kindness is recorded, the Lord says, and will be rewarded. Wow. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. Oswald Chambers says this, in his devotional, uh, My Utmost. He's actually talking about the text in John where, where Jesus says, He that believes on me, out of, out of him will flow rivers of living water. You know that scripture, right? John seven thirty eight. He says, Jesus did not say, He that believes in me shall realize the blessing of the fullness of God, although I think that's true. But he that believes in me, out of him shall escape everything he receives. Our Lord's teaching is always anti-self-realization. His purpose is not the development of a man or a woman. His purpose is to make a person exactly like himself. You hearing? Are you hearing? And the characteristic of the Son of God is self-expenditure. Jesus said, I came... To give my life a ransom for many, right? If we believe in Jesus, it is not what we gain, but what he pours through us that counts. It is not that God makes us of beautifully rounded grapes, but that he squeezes the sweetness out of us. 
I need amens. Spiritually, we cannot measure our life by success, but only by what God pours through us, and we cannot measure that at all. Self-expenditure. That's what Jesus did. That's what motherhood does. It is a constant self-expenditure. But we need to see that self-expenditure as a picture, and even more than a picture, as an expression of the self-expenditure of Jesus Christ. Thus, by giving yourself, mom, by giving yourself to your children, by expending yourself, you're being like Jesus. And that's why motherhood is honorable in God's eyes. Secondly, motherhood is valuable. It's valuable. Matthew 16. Although being a mom requires many of those mundane tasks, of course, that's not the ultimate goal, right? The ultimate goal is much higher. And the ultimate goal of being a mother is not simply birthing children, not simply clothing children or feeding children, but realizing that those children have an eternal soul. And that the mother is placed in a unique position in the home to influence and shape that soul for eternity. How valuable is that? Jesus says here in Matthew 16, he's talking about discipleship, he says, then Jesus said to his disciples in verse 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Then this is the verse I want you to see. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, Jesus is saying, all the wealth in the world, indeed the world itself, is not as valuable as the soul. That's what we're dealing with here in parenthood. That's what we're dealing with in motherhood. It is a shaping of a soul for eternity. That is valuable. Amen? Um, I read a quote by an author, a 19th century author. He says this. He says, uh, it's a long quote, but I'll try to trim it down. He says, the work in which you are engaged, talking to mothers, is directly and preeminently the work of God. The great end, you listening? The great end for which the created universe was called into being and for which it is upheld from age to age, is the manifestation of the divine glory. In all that God does or permits to be done, he is actuated by a regard to this, meaning his own glory. All agencies, angelic and human, rational and irrational, animate and inanimate, are made to subserve in all their actions this great design. The tendency of all the apparently 
uh, involved working of the whole machinery of the universe, whether moral or physical, is to produce motion in this one direction. In other words, God is working all things for good, but not just for our good. God is working all things for his glory. Amen? In the salvation of a fallen man or woman, a fallen child, by the remedial provision of the gospel, this great end, meaning God's glory, is especially promoted. For, quoting Ephesians, by the church is made known even unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places the manifold wisdom of God. What does this have to do with diapers or dishes? (laughs) Very much, actually. And he goes on to say, And by what instrumentality is a redeemed church to be raised up from amongst the sinful children of men? He says, By the instrumentality of those who have themselves, by the grace of God, been delivered from the guilt and power of sin, and made vessels unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. By means of human agency, the multitude that no man can number is to be gathered home to the Redeemer's fold. And you are they whom God has appointed to train up those who are to embark in this glorious enterprise. To you, meaning mothers, is committed the task of molding and fashioning the human agencies by which God's great purpose of glorifying himself forever in the sight of all intelligent beings is to be accomplished. Wow. In your hands, mom, are the leaders of the public sentiment of the next generation, the Luthers, the Knoxes, the Whitfields, the Wilberforces of a future age. They are in your hands. And through them, you, Mom, wield the destinies of millions yet unborn. Motherhood's valuable. And God has committed the work to you, Mom, of shaping souls for eternity and shaping leaders and soldiers for Christ that will bring others to him. Lastly, motherhood is commendable. And what I mean by commendable is that the Lord will commend and reward those who are faithful. We just saw in Matthew 10, um, we talked about the, the giving of just a cup of water. Jesus says, That he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. We don't get accolades in the world. If anything, we get disdain, we get criticism, and even persecution. But God sees all things, amen? He sees the cup of cold water. He sees the cleaning of the bathroom. He sees the changing of the diapers. He sees the instruction in the word. He sees your intercessory prayer. 
He sees every tear that you shed for the soul of your children. And he will reward every one of these. Because he's just. And he's... Anything a mother sacrifices for her family will be compensated, said Jesus, a hundredfold. Because he's gracious and he's kind. And he will reward a mother for her labor and for her sacrifice. Matthew 25, Jesus says this, the well-known parable of the talents. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling, in verse 14, to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he would receive the five talents, one and traded with them, and made another five. And likewise he who had received two, gained two more also. But he who received one, went and dug in the ground, hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five came and brought five others, saying, Lord, look, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Well, we know the rest of the story. Because the servant with one didn't invest the one, make a profit. And the Lord was displeased with that one. The point of the parable is that what we do with the talents and the gifts that God gives to us will be rewarded someday. And this is a wonderful incentive to fidelity and faithfulness and loyalty in our calling, whatever that might be. But I'm especially addressing addressing mothers today because so much of what you do is unseen and unappreciated by the world. But it is seen by God. You know, we talk about, uh, people talk use the phrase dry theology, you know. Theology is dry. God's omniscience sounds dry. What a beautiful truth that God sees all things. And he knows your struggles as a mom. He knows the, the, the nights you're up with a sick child. He knows the, the stress. He knows everything you're dealing with. And all of those sacrifices that he sees, he will reward you. And knowing that ought to inspire us to faithfulness. Amen? Amen. You know, the Lord is, one of the things the Lord has taught me, um, over the years, is in the final analysis, we all have to decide why 
we are doing what we're doing. Why am I doing this? Whatever that might be. Why should I make the hard decision when no one's looking? Why should I sacrifice when no one would know if I'm sacrificing or being indulgent? Why should I choose the narrow path versus the broad way? Because I'm called to live unto God, not unto men. And I will render an account to him. I will stand before him. This is a good thing. And as we walk into consciousness of that reality, that God is with me, God is observing me, if you will, and that what I do, I do unto him and not unto men. This moves us to make the right decision. It moves us to make the hard decisions. It moves us to be faithful. Because we know that he knows. We know that he knows. Your husband might not appreciate you. Your kids might not appreciate you. Your parents might think you're crazy for having five kids. Your siblings might think you're nuts for homeschooling. All of that in the final analysis doesn't matter. The question is, what does God think about what you're doing? And I can assure you that if you embrace your calling as a mother, you embrace the sacrifices, you, you, you embrace the service, the self-expenditure that is required, God sees and God will commend you someday. You will hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You will hear those words. Amen? Amen. Let me conclude with a final word of encouragement. Um, Being a mom is just plain hard. I mean, you know, one thing I don't like about Mother's Day and certain other holidays is the way we kind of try to make things real sentimental, you know. Oh, Mom, you're just the perfect person. Well, really? (laughs) Like, Mom never yelled or Mom never got mad? Yeah, okay. Um, but the reality is, it, 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 what makes it so difficult is it's a self-expenditure 24-7. There's no day off for a mom. It just doesn't happen. And it is a life of giving. But that's why the mom needs to dwell close to the source of life. Close to the source of strength. Because as she continues to give out, she needs to be continually replenished by the Lord. Amen. So a final word from that same author, uh, Cameron, said this, and we'll close with this. He said, that God is always willing to grant you the strength and wisdom you need for the successful discharge of your important duties is important to understand. On the throne of grace, he ever sits. Amen ready to dispense blessings, countless and rich, to all who ask. Never is his ear turned away from the cry of the needy suppliant. 
What an inexhaustible fund of encouragement does this truth present. At what time your heart is overwhelmed, look to the rock that is higher than you. In the confidence of familial love, cast your burden upon the Lord, assured that He will sustain you. He cannot disappoint the expectations that His own Word teaches you to cherish. He will be your instructor, Mom, your counselor, Mom, your guide, Mom, your comforter, Mom, your refuge, Mom, your fortress, your son, your shield. Do you feel lack of strength? Go to God. Go to God. It's trite to say that where he leads, he feeds. Or where he guides, he provides. But there's a profound truth there because it's true. God does not call us to failure. He calls us to success. And that success is guaranteed by his own power operating in our lives. Whatever you need, mom, go to God. Amen? Let's stand together. Wait, no, let's not stand together. Let's have the moms stand up. Just the moms. We're going to... Let's give the moms a... A a, a carnation. Come on. We want to honor the moms. So I'd like the moms to stand. We're going to give them a flower. And then we're going to pray... uh, prayer blessing over the mothers. Um, While they're doing that, we have a special gift for two other moms. We'd like Diane Vaughn and Andrea Bond to come forward, the pastor's wives. Come forward. Diane. Come on, come forward. There she is. Andrea, come forward, please. Let's pray a blessing on the moms before we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that you have um, framed things in such a way that you've established uh, marriage between a man and a woman. You've... uh, called us to the offices of being a father or a mother. Today we want to honor the mothers here. We want to thank you for the honor that you place upon them because of their work of servanthood, because of their sacrifice, because they're shaping the future in profound ways. We thank you, Lord, that you've entrusted to these mothers the nurture of eternal souls. And we thank you, Lord, that someday there will be a service kind of like this in which you present to them not a flower, but eternal rewards for all that they've done for you. as a mother. So we ask God your richest blessings upon them 
we ask, Lord, for wisdom in times of confusion. We ask for strength in times of weakness. We ask that you would provide every need according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And we ask that they would be filled, Lord, with your fullness, that they might expend what you put into them to bless their families for generations to come. Help us, Lord, to support, encourage, and honor all the mothers in our midst. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. And all God's people said, Amen.